0: Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today on Beyond the RX. I'm your host, Shweta Kochi, and today we have with us Dr. Penelope Sue, a board-certified pediatrician and a certified professional development coach. Today, we're going to be talking about physician burnout, what it is, and how you can prevent it with coaching by building therapeutic strategies throughout your healthcare journey. Hey, Dr. Sue! thanks so much for making the time for us today. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm very excited to be here and to chat with you. Can you tell me a little bit
0: about what physician burnout is What are some symptoms of burnout and how physicians can end up getting burnt out over time?
1: The term burnout actually started from organizational psychology, like in the seventies. So it's not specific to physicians. I think our unique flavor of it is unique to our profession, but generally in organizational psychology, burnout contains three main symptoms. The first is exhaustion, and that includes physical exhaustion as well as emotional and mental exhaustion. The second component is a sense of depersonalization, meaning you no longer see, you know, Mr. Smith with his high blood pressure. You just kind of see the next follow-up blood pressure, follow-up migraine, follow-up asthma, right? That you start to lose that personal connection, not only to your patients in, in the realm of healthcare, but also to your colleagues, right? You know, when, when docs are starting to get burned out, a lot of them will say like, I don't even want to talk to anybody. You know, like, I just want to kind of put my nose to the grindstone, see my patients and go home. I don't want to know what's going on in the office. I don't want to talk to anybody, you know, and that's sort of like losing that personal connection to everybody in your life, not just your patients, your colleagues. I've also heard people feel like they're losing that personal connection to their own spouse, right? Like, I don't, I don't, I can't hear it. I can't hear another argument. I don't want to do anything. I don't want him to touch me. All of that sense of depersonalization is a symptom of burnout because you just don't have any capacity left to connect. And then the third component of burnout is a sense of losing efficacy or lacking efficacy. And a lot of people will say, I don't even know that what we do matters. I don't know that what I do matters. You know, I'm a pediatrician and so around this time of year there's it's a lot of school forms and camp forms and things like that, right? And I had one of my clients who's also a pediatrician say like all I do is fill out forms. Like, that's all I do. Like, I don't help people. I'm not curing anything. I'm filling out paperwork, you know, um, that that's it. And so when you start to feel like what you do doesn't matter, um, you know, in, in the sense of like an inpatient setting, also feeling like you're just kind of chasing numbers, you're chasing labs, all you're, you know, you're just chasing the, the data, but you're not actually helping people. That sense of losing that sense of efficacy is another, uh, hallmark symptom of burnout. So those are the symptoms. <laughs> How do you know you're feeling it if you start to feel any of those things, right? I think, you know, at the point in your career in medical school, there's definitely a lot of exhaustion, physical, emotional, and mental. Um, I hate to break it to you. That doesn't go away. It, it kind of amplifies during residency, as well as when you're an attending or fellowship. And so that's sort of self-explanatory, right? Physically tired, emotionally spent, you know, mentally, you're just like, I can't even think anymore that depersonalization, as I mentioned, um, losing that sense of connection to various people in your life and then losing that sense of efficacy, not just of like, I don't know what the point is of what I do, but what is the point of me even being here? And that's a very dangerous spot to be in, right? Because that sort of starts to fall into the realm of what is the point of me living or dying? And that's something that unfortunately is something that burnout can lead to. It can lead to thoughts of suicidality. And I know you know this, across medical schools, residencies, you know, last year here in New York, we lost an ER doc in the middle of COVID to suicide because of the overwhelm. And so there are real, real significant dire Consequences of burnout.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about your journey through burnout and what led you to become a physician coach?
1: So, I fell into coaching um, many, many years ago. I had gone through a personal tough time in my own life several years ago. And, you know, I certainly believe in the benefit of therapy and counseling and all that kind of stuff. So, I went to a therapist and it didn't really help. And then I went to a psychiatrist who put me on medication because they thought maybe I was depressed and it kind of helped a little bit. And then I went to church. I tried exercising a lot. I went vegan. I mean, I tried all these different things to try to make myself feel better and nothing was working. I just felt really stuck and I was just in a very dark place and I couldn't get myself out of it. And again, I had tried all these different methodologies and nothing was working for me. And fast forward, I started working with a different therapist who was also a life coach. And I remember telling her specifically, I don't want any of this life coaching nonsense. That's just woo woo crystals, new agey stuff. I'm a science girl. I'm a physician. Like, you know, give me hardcore science evidence backs, you know, methodologies. And um, she was like, okay, we can do science, but you've already done science. And how willing are you or are you willing at all to try something different to move your life, to change your life? And when posed in that way, right, it it really became a question of, you know, what am I more attached to? Am I more attached to the rigors of science or am I more attached to the concept that I just want to feel better no matter what it takes? And so at that point I had tried everything else. I was like, fine, whatever you think will work, I will try. Cause I just want to feel better. And wouldn't, you know, the coaching questions and the coaching perspective is what literally saved my life and changed my life. And so I became a huge avid believer in coaching as a, as a methodology. I also became very indignant that we never learn about this methodology in medical school or in my residency, you know, so much of what we do, especially in adult medicine is about lifestyle modification, right? Eat healthy, exercise, take care of yourself, sleep well. Um, And yet. You know, it's not about writing the prescription and say, go lose 10 pounds, and then they come back and they've done it, right? There there are certain blocks that prevent people from making those healthy choices that they cognitively understand they need to make. And so what is that, right? And if we could learn how to move people past those blocks, my goodness, how much more effective would we be, right? Because it's not about the science. It's not about, you know, here's a prescription. Here's your A1C. You've got to get it down. Good luck with that. And then come back three months later and it's gone up. Like that is just the cycle that we find ourselves in. And coaching is an amazing methodology that gets into the core, into the heart of what is holding you back. What are the blocks that are, you know, either consciously or more often not consciously affecting your ability to move forward in a direction that you know you want to go in and yet can't. And so I became so indignant that we never learned anything about this that I went on a mission to learn everything that I could about it and so I became a certified coach myself. And then through just through talking with some of my pediatric colleagues about all of these cool concepts that I was learning you know, about moving past your own obstacles and you know, refinding your passion and making time for it and what r- real work-life balance looks like, my, my pediatric colleagues were like, we want some of that. Um, can you can you help me get that? Where we, help us, please? <laughs> and so I started, you know, creating like workshops um, for this uh, family. Um, sorry, federally qualified health center that I work at to bring in some of these concepts, which again we never learn, but are so basic that really make a difference in preventing burnout. And so I saw how effective it was. Uh, within my colleagues I saw how effective it was for me personally um, through my private clients and I just started to realize more and more the more physicians I talked to I wasn't the only one whose medical education lacked this type of stuff you know everyone is lacking I think there's a, a movement now to incorporate things like motivational interviewing and and uh, you know active listening and things like that but coaching is is that times a thousand, you know? And so it's become my mission over the last three years or so to really focus on helping physicians, one, help themselves, right? Recover from burnout, recognize and recover from it. And then how do we prevent it? We prevent it by learning these strategies for ourselves and then teaching them to our patients so that we don't get frustrated by the hamster wheel.
0: That's amazing. So I have two questions. I'll start with this first one. Um, What does a coaching session entail specifically?
1: Such a good question. And I'm so glad you're asking because so many people have no idea. Um, I always like to start off any coaching relationship by explaining what coaching is and what it isn't. Right. So coaching isn't therapy. Um, I think they are both fabulously therapeutic and helpful. They do things in very different ways. I often like to say that, you know, in therapy, you start from a level of dis-ease, right? Generally, there's a diagnosis. There is something wrong. You are anxious. You are depressed, PTSD, whatever it may be. And then through therapy, you process those feelings. You have a deeper understanding. You can get some insight. So you move from a place of dis-ease to ease. Coaching picks up from there and says, okay, you've done all of the processing. Now we're ready to move. So coaching is a methodology that helps people move forward. Um, You know, I, the, the joke that I often use, and this is not to disparage any therapist is, you know, you can talk about your, I could talk about my mother for the next 50 years and never be done talking about my mother, you know, but how is that relationship impacting my other relationships? How's that impacting my life? And what do I want to do differently with my life so that I can have the life that I want Versus the one that is still tied up in the dynamics with my mother. So coaching is forward facing and it's action oriented. Given that we've processed, given that we now have this awareness, what do you want to do with it? How do you want to create a different path for yourself that gets you to where you want to be? versus where you thought you had to end up versus where you thought you would end up versus this is how it's always been done. All of those messaging and, and all of those you know, protocols, if you will, that we grew up with, whether we grew up with them in our family, our culture, the medical culture, our education system, sometimes they get you locked into a very set way of thinking and a very prescribed path forward. And for some people that prescribed path works great. But for those that it doesn't and they feel stuck, like I did, they felt, they feel like something's not right. I'm not depressed. I'm not anxious, but I'm still not a hundred percent fulfilled. I still don't feel like I'm really myself. That's where coaching comes in. So we take a look at, so how does a coaching session go? We always start with getting a topic for the day, meaning the client has to come with something to work on again you can pay me to just sit there and talk, you know, but the idea is that we're always moving you forward. So what do you want to work on today? Where are you stuck? What has come up that has been challenging? Where do you need some support? And then we kind of work through it. You know, what went well, what didn't go well in coaching. Again, we have action steps or homework assignments, depending on how you like to frame things. So if it is about finding a new job, did you update your LinkedIn? Did you update your resume? Did you contact the recruiters, right? And if you did, great, let's talk about that. What's the next step? What's the next step? If it didn't work out, great. Let's talk about what got in the way. Was it that you just ran out of time? So is it a time management issue? Was it that you started to think that maybe there are no better jobs out there? And so you talked yourself out of it and now you wanna run back to the old job, right? Is it an internal block wherein you're afraid of change, you're afraid of failing, or is it an external block? You just need some better time management skills. You just need some better EMR skills so you can finish on time. What is it? So coaching looks at what is going on, where you wanna go, what is in your way, And then we work through it together and it's always in partnership. One of the major things about coaching that frustrates a lot of my clients is that a coach will never tell you what to do. That's not our job. It's not about what worked for me and therefore you should do this, right? I did this, so you should do this. This worked for me. So it's going to work for you. How do I know what's going to work for you? You know, you've lived a completely different life than me. Um, our, our upbringing, our life experiences, our hopes and dreams, everything is so unique. There is no point in me trying to prescribe to you a path forward that is not coming from you, right? We often like to say, you are the only expert of you. We could spend literally 20 years talking about you, and I would still never know the depths of you, right? Even your family and your closest you know, friends, they know aspects of you, but only you really know all of the time, 100% of your life, what drives you. What are your strengths and your weaknesses? So ultimately a job of a coach is to help you figure out what's best for you. So we become your brainstorming partner for sure. You know, I will bring to bear all of my other client experiences. I will bring to bear my resources and and anecdotes and things like that to present them to you, to say to you, okay, having heard all that, what do you think? What do you think will work for you? Great. Let's do that. And let's follow up in two weeks and see how it worked. So it's always about moving forward in a stepwise fashion together, honoring you, honoring the fact that you have the wisdom that you need. You've got, you know, the inspiration, you've got the dreams and passion in there right? It just sort of sometimes gets a little bit dull because you're so exhausted or there's so many responsibilities, you know, being laid on top of you. You're a parent, you're a spouse, you're caring for your own parents, you know, work, student loans, all these things just sort of starts to dim your passion, dims your clarity, dims your own voice. My job as a coach is to help you find your voice again and to help you honor it. It's not to tell you what to do. I don't know if that's helpful.
0: No, that was amazing. That was so inspirational. Thank you. Um, so now that we know a little bit about what a coaching session is, the clients that you specifically see, do you mainly see physicians or do you also see residents and medical students as well?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, at the Happy MD, which is the coaching entity that um, I think you found me through we see all comers. We really want to be a resource for any and all physicians. So I actually do. And I personally love working with younger docs. I think maybe, maybe it's a way for me to still feel young. I don't know, but, but I love working with younger docs. I think obviously, honestly, my experience as a pediatrician really informs that because I know that when you can get kids young, right. And you can teach them resilience and you can teach them good habits when they're young it will work better than trying to undo the damage when they're older right? Preventative medicine 101, right? Pre- start early. And so my idea for preventing burnout is to start early, get them in medical school, like yourself, you know, and again, I'm so proud of you for doing a coaching program already, you know, getting them in residency before they get crushed, you know, under the workload and get so burnt out that we're already behind the eight ball. Let me teach you how to stay resilient. Let me teach you how to hold on to your soul so that you don't feel like you're getting crushed to death while you're going through your training it is a lot easier to do that than to pick up the pieces after you feel like you've been crushed for 20 years on the other side so the the, as far as my clientele a lot of them are physicians Um, a lot of mine currently anyway are sort of mid-career meaning they've been working for 15 to 25 years and it's kind of like the whole is this it Like, I thought, I thought it was going to be better than this. Is this, is this what I'm looking at for the next 20 years? Um, So I have a good number of clients in that space. And then, like I said, I, I personally love working with residents um, and, and medical students. And I've done a bunch of trainings, like I said, for various residency programs and, and things like that along those lines. And then the other niche that I uh, work on outside of the happy MD in my own sort of private coaching um, is working with Asian American professionals, whether they're medical or not. Um, Again, I am a first generation Chinese American born and raised in New York. And um, I think our challenges as first generation of immigrant parents um, is a very unique story and it's a very unique challenge. It is a very heavy burden that I myself have had to carry. And I know so many others have Um, the burdens that I've had to carry have really taken quite a toll on me personally. And when I learned again, all of these techniques, I really was like, why didn't anyone teach me this earlier? Well, I wish I had had a coach that could have helped me. And so now I'm trying to be that resource and pay it forward and help as many, as many people, but um, in particular, as many Asian American people and as many um, healers as I can get my hands on because I think there are two populations that generally don't acknowledge that they need help Right There's a stigma in the medical community and in the Asian community of needing any sort of support, especially anything even closely related to mental health. There are not that many people of color in coaching or in therapy let's be honest, you know, there's more and more of us. And so I, I know that I have gotten clients simply because they Googled Asian American coach and I come up on Google as like, you know, one of the few and boom. And, and I've heard over and over again, like I chose you because you look like me and because your bio reads like mine. Um, so those are the two populations of people that I work with.
0: Yeah, as, as a woman of color myself, I do understand there is a big stigma, especially in like the immigrant population of any sort especially with mental health so um, you touched on this before about how you create training programs for for residencies how would it be possible to incorporate these kinds of training programs into the medical education starting from medical school so that this can this issue can be tackled early on
1: You ask such good questions she thought you really do um, I think I mean listen I understand fully that medical education, is so hard because there's so much to learn in a very short time, right? And it is obvious that you certainly need your anatomy and your pathophysiology and your micro and all of that. Clearly, yes. I would say on equal par with those is how do I survive this training? You know, how do I keep myself not just alive and surviving, but how can I actually thrive during a very, very difficult, stressful time? So, in, in my delusions of grandeur, you know, this wellness, um, I think that's sort of what it's become, right? Wellness and resilience training becomes part and parcel of medical education, right? It's, it's another module that you have to do. The, the model that I would love to see is, you know, sort of have a lecture around the big topics, right, introduce the topic, and then have smaller groups, wherein you actually do cases, not, not necessarily of like, oh, this patient presented with that last six-day history of this and that and the lab showed this, right, but, you know, I got berated by my attending. How do I process that? How can I approach them? Now I'm completely intimidated by them. They hate me. They think I'm an idiot. Like, how do you navigate a difficult conversation like that? How do you actually navigate these types of relationships that you have to in order to survive? How do you, again, like hold on to your soul? You know, how do you make sure that you are taking care of yourself and finding time and ways and space to honor yourself? while you are still honoring the rigors of medical education. I think group coaching is a great methodology, right? You know, because again, I know that your time is so valuable and and your time economy is so tight. So having eight or 10 medical students and a coach, right? And we just kind of round robin it. Like, what are are y'all going through? Let's talk about some things. Let me give you some strategies. Let me give you some tips. Let's debrief one of these difficult conversations. Let me give you an example of what some of my clients are going through so that you can learn from their experience and you don't wind up you know, I have one client who is up till midnight every night doing his charts and then gets up at four o'clock in the morning to finish. So he gets four hours of sleep a night because he's always like 50, 60 charts behind and that's not sustainable, you know? And so let me teach you those tricks. Let me, let's look at your time management. You know, there are all of these sort of, you know, life skills in a way that I think are really helpful. So in my mind, it would be a combination of like didactic, here are the concepts and then practical, let's debrief some things that you're actually going through or I'll bring in examples from what I'm going through with my own clients. And for me personally, I like to keep things really interactive and fun, um, which obviously COVID put it a complete end to. But in the past, when I would do these workshops, I would have, you know, I'd break people up into groups and get people up and moving and, you know, just doing things to show them that one, you can do it in a very limited time. All of the strategies and tips that I teach are meant to be very practical. You know, the stress management toolkit that I teach all of my clients, everything you can do in less than 60 seconds. But I guarantee you, it will lower your stress. I guarantee you, you will feel better by doing something for 20 seconds. I understand you don't have 20 minutes to go into a dark room and meditate, you know, to a bunch of gongs. Like, I get it. I get it. But it doesn't mean that you can't get some stress relief. It doesn't mean that you can't find some calm. It doesn't mean that you can't, you know, pursue your passion. You know, like, even if it is like, I want to travel and I have no money because I'm a medical student, that's okay. We may not be able to get you on the plane right now, but we can still honor that sense of adventure some way locally, even now. And so- my methodologies are always about how can we help you now in the moment, very practically, let's get up and do it in real time together so that you see that it works and that it is possible. And then obviously bringing to bear also like the just general concepts around perfectionism and how that is a huge burnout risk factor, you know, fear of failure, which again is tied to perfectionism and always feeling like you're in competition mode. And so you can never really ask for help because they're going to look at you and think that you're weak. Right. And so all of these things that are going on are topics that I kind of dissect through and hopefully bring some awareness to. And I teach a whole bunch of skills between mindfulness and self-compassion and stress management, all sorts of different things. I think those tools are just as important as being able to, you know, read an EKG or, you know, understand a gas, you know, a blood gas or whatever.
0: So you mentioned there are all these different strategies that you could use um, and that you teach at coaching sessions. And I'm sure you use these strategies with, with yourself at home, at work and with everything in life. What is one thing about fighting burnout and like bettering your mental health that you wish you knew before the journey started?
1: What is one thing about burnout that I wish I knew that it was going to happen? You know, like like your medical education path is a one-way road towards burnout, unfortunately. It is designed to burn you out. I mean, that's literally what medical school and residency is, right? Let us have you not sleep, not eat, not use the bathroom, not shower for roughly 24 to 36 hours, although those hours are changing now and then have you perform perfectly and not make any mistakes and get every line and get every procedure right and get every diagnosis right and read every lab correctly. That's what we are training you to do. And again, it's not sustainable. I feel like if I had known that that was the expectation, maybe I could have prepared for it a little bit better. Knowing that that expectation is not realistic. Knowing that if you do that, you will burn out. Therefore, let's not have you do that. Let us find you little pockets of sanity. Let's find you little ways to hold on to, you know, your own sense of identity. Let's find you ways to catch little breaks. You know, even something as simple as, cause I had a tendency because I was running around all the time on my surgical rotations and I wasn't sleeping and I wasn't eating. I almost passed out three times in the OR. I almost fell face forward into a body cavity. And the scrub tech like literally elbowed me in the face to get me to not fall into the body cavity. And I just was like, I don't know. I don't have time to eat. Like, what am I supposed to do? I'm up at four o'clock. I don't get home until eight o'clock. Like there's no time to eat. And my resident literally was just like M&Ms in your pocket all the time. And like that one little thing like saved my life. You know what I mean? Like m and Skittles, granola bars. Like I'm, like all my scrub pockets were full of those things so that I wouldn't pass out again. But something as simple as that, right? Like I didn't know. I just thought that I had to just keep going and not eat. And if I fell into a body cavity, I fell into a body cavity. Like I thought that's what was expected of me. Um, and just a simple tip like that of have little snacks snuck into your you know, white coat and into your scrubs was life-saving. So when you know what you're up against, then you can prepare for it, right? When you know what the obstacles are, then you can prepare for it. When you don't know and you just think, well, this is the way it is. This is the way it's supposed to be. I'm not going to argue it. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to try to prevent it. I'm just going to go with it. You become victim to it. And so I just wish somebody had started off, you know, with this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. You are going to fall apart. And here are some tools to help you not. Do that. And then if you need more one-on-one individual attention, go get that too, whether that be in counseling or therapy or coaching or talking to your pastor, whatever that is. Just knowing that there are resources available and that you should access them and that it doesn't have to be this bad would have been helpful.
0: Can you tell me a little about a little bit about um, a happy MD? and how you got involved with that organization specifically?
1: Yes, I love the Happy MD. Um, so the Happy MD is a physician burnout coaching and consulting company. It's been around for over a decade at this point, And we've, you know, If you look at the website, I think it's, we've worked with like, uh, you know, hundreds of organizations on four continents and we've trained 30,000 doctors or something like that. You know, it's been around for a long time, which is great. I first heard about the CEO, Dr. Dyke Drummond at a conference and that I didn't even, I didn't see him speak, but a friend of mine who was at this conference with me had heard him speak. And she was going on and on and on about how brilliant he was and how practical his strategies were. And it was so, you know, helpful for her. Um, And she was like, you got to check him out. So I checked him out and Google stalked him and, you know, like read all the blogs and stuff on, on his website. And he had a retreat, like this is again, pre COVID. So it was an in-person retreat that I went to. And I loved every minute of it. I mean, I was taking notes like, like crazy. And I had already gotten my coaching certificate at that point. So I was already coaching a little bit, but I hadn't really you know, formalized anything. But by the end of my three-day retreat with him, I remember walking right up to him and I said, hello, my name is Penelope. So nice to meet you. Um, I want to be you. I want to do what you do. Do you need another coach? Like, I want to do this work. I want to work with you. I think you're brilliant. And then I just kind of stalked him for a little while. And then, yeah, he took me under his wing and was like, all right, well, let's see. Let's see how you do. You know, let me train you on becoming a physician burnout coach in the Happy MD methodology. Loved all of the the philosophy and the techniques that he has. And then he brought me on as one of his coaches three years ago now, I think two or three years ago. And I've been with them ever since. And so we do a lot of individual physician burnout coaching. And then the other aspect of the happy MD is that we do a lot of trainings. Again, pre-COVID, they were all live and in person. Nowadays, a lot more of them are virtual, but we do trainings just like we were talking about before for large audiences, whether it's, you know, the, the docs or the nurses of a huge health system, wherein we teach them about burnout and we say, Hey, these are the symptoms. Are you having them? Yes let's acknowledge it, you know, and, and if you are, then here are some things that you can do and please reach out to us. And so we do organizational trainings and then Dr. Drummond also will actually do a lot of consulting for organizations who say, okay, we recognize that the systems that we have in place are leading to our physicians to burnout. How do we change the whole culture? of the whole health system to support physicians better. And so that becomes a huge endeavor, but it's possible. And, you know, we've certainly worked with hundreds of organizations to do that, right? To create wellness committees and then wellness events and wellness champions and, you know, change the workflows and and get more supply, you know, and really change the culture of one organization at a time. That's also something that we are very passionate about doing.
0: Wow, it looks like the happy MD is doing a lot. If you guys want to know more about the different therapeutic strategies that are employed by the happy MD, you can always go to the Thanks again, Dr. Sue, for all of your insight, taking us through your burnout journey and just telling us about all the important effects that coaching has throughout anyone's healthcare journey at any milestone. All right, guys, thanks for joining us on Beyond the RX. It's always a beautiful day to learn how to save lives.